Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. It is, it is the season. It's a sacred day. It's a holy day. So let's open up to uh, Matthew 2. And I want you guys to know we're going to read a lot of the Bible together this morning. Is that okay? We're going to go ahead and bring scripture into uh, church this morning. And can I get a water? Open up to uh, Matthew 2. Today, I want to talk about the greatest gift of all. <clears throat> and I want to read uh, these traditional passages. So Matthew 2, 18, let's, let's jump in. It's a little far. Oh, did I, did I start us off too far? Uh, let's back up uh, to uh, this is how the birth of the Messiah came about. I think I put, maybe I put the wrong, I sent you the wrong passage. Someone with an open Bible tell me what the address is for this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. 118, 118 not 218. Hey. <laughs> still not nervous. I've got that prophecy about speaking to a bunch of people and like just keeping me, keeping me strong. Here, I'll just, I'll just jump in. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found, found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I mentioned prophecies earlier. This is actually a fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14, which says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this is uh, unlike anything that has ever happened in history. We have uh, a virgin woman who has uh, the immaculate, miraculous, divine conception inside of her womb. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to, the son, to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's read on. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, came from the east uh, to Jerusalem. Let's read on. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. 
Come on up, Becky. (laughs) Here's the king who has defeated and subjugated Israel, and he is hearing about a new king, a, a, an upstart, a troublemaker coming along. And so he's, he's very troubled to have his rule challenged. Okay, next verse, verse four. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And I, I mentioned this when we took communion together, but that's from Micah 5.2. It's this incredible prophecy literally naming the town that the Messiah would be born in. And so you can see all of these breadcrumbs coming together to show us an incredible picture to give us confidence that this truly is the Messiah. And another cool thing about Bethlehem is it's just a tiny town. It would be like a a one stoplight or a stop sign town in the middle of Oklahoma and finding out that that's where, you know, the next president, you know, comes from, from Waxahachetyville Junction, Oklahoma. <laughs> the richest man in the world arises from, from the Dust Bowl, you know? Um, <clears throat> let's, let's read on. And to you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah... Uh, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him word that I too may come and worship him. We know that he's scheming here. He doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Y'all ever wonder if the two wise men that brought frankincense and myrrh were really upset that the guy who brought gold didn't like adhere to the agreed upon spending limit for the Christmas party <laughs> gift exchange? <laughs> Y'all have seen that episode of The Office where Michael gives an iPod? <laughs> At the white elephant. This is... (laughs) Moving on, moving on. (laughs) And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod 
When, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, sorry, a voice heard in Ramah weeping with loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, for they are no more. Um, a lot of amazing things surrounding the birth of Jesus, right? Let's open to Luke 2 and read on. This is Luke 2.8. So we find out that the wise men, these magi, they're actually stargazers. They're Magi is short for magician, which means that God is not afraid to use anyone from any walk of life to bring him glory, right? Isn't that an incredible uh, story? He's not far from any one of us, is he? And this is not God like validating or saying it's okay to be of this <laughs> profession, but he is using these guys in an amazing way, weaving together a tapestry to point us to Jesus. This is uh, Luke 2, 8. <clears throat> in the same region, there were these shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by, by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And so these shepherds couldn't stop talking about this amazing, marvelous, miraculous experience that they've, uh, they've encountered. Let's read on. Oh, sorry. No, that's the end of it. <laughs> so Jesus' birth was obviously very disruptive, you could say. This, this gift of God coming to man is marked by uh, the king and all the nation freaking out, so much so that he is murdering baby boys in order to prevent uh, this potential Messiah, this potential new king from rising into power. And angels are totally screwing up shepherds' lives. I mean, could you imagine just doing your job out in the middle of the field and a talking angel shows up? And you're looking at your buddies like, you guys see this too, right? Like, 
And then the heavens open and there's a whole choir of angels singing at them. <laughs> like, and then it, like, it ends and they're like looking. Could you imagine that moment, like standing with your friends and all of you being uh, brought into this awareness, brought into this amazing encounter? He has these magi bringing him gifts. And then Joseph and Mary, their, their whole lives are, are turned upside down. They're going into hiding now. I, this gift that God has given made a really big splash. Do we have any, any parents in here where you're really excited about next Sunday morning because of some gifts that you're going to see your kids unwrap? You've got plans for them this weekend. Anyone excited it's so fun, right, to watch your kids like light up. It's good to be uh, a good gift giver. Um, those Christmases are, uh, are really magical, and the anticipation leading up to it is really cool, too, because you know the secret, and, and even when your kids are acting like they don't deserve a gift all week long, <laughs> you're still excited about <laughs> You're still excited about uh, what they're going to get because you know that um, when we most needed it and least deserved it, we got the biggest gift of all, right? I think the best gifts are the gifts that like speak to our identity or like the gifts where you look at the person who gave it to you and you're like, you know me, you know? Those gifts that like call you higher and, and inspire, inspire you. And the, the gift, the, the best Christmas gift I ever received was from my dad when I was 15. It was a Martin guitar. And uh, I still remember opening it Christmas morning and smelling the fresh smell of that Martin wood. And um, that gift spoke to my identity. I was a worshiper. I loved worshiping the Lord. The, my parents knew it. They were so excited. And I just started learning the guitar. And my dad decided he was going to extend himself. He was actually going, it was a lot of money, especially, gosh, what was that, 25 years ago. This Martin guitar costs a lot of money. Um, but they lavished this gift on me. And it spoke to my identity, it called me higher, and it inspired me to play that thing relentlessly. I practice day after day after day because the quality of this gift inspired me and called me into my, my identity. And um, I want us to know that, that that ability to give a good gift is one of the best gifts of all. Like every good gift comes down from our Father of heavenly lights. And one of the best gifts of all is that we get to be just like him, giving gifts to our friends, giving gifts to our kids, and emanating with that same kind of love and calling people into their identity, speaking to them about the things that we see in them through these gifts. And the moment that we feel any kind of guilt for lavishing a really like expensive gift on our kids, I just want us to remember that on the first Christmas, God emptied heaven of the greatest treasure of all. He figuratively bankrupted heaven. Bankrupt is the wrong word because God's glory is endless, but the greatest treasure of all he gave to us. We're celebrating uh, this Christmas because 
in one fell swoop, he gave us um, this extravagant gesture of fatherly love. He, give, he gave us this gift at the darkest time in human history. Could you imagine living in Joseph and Mary's day and age where it was still kind of like tribal? It was ancient Israel when God was viewed uh, not all that much different from the gods of the surrounding region. They still thought he was very angry and retributive. That every one of his laws had to be obeyed down to the, the smallest little details, and the laws have to be passed down in law upon law upon law because you know, we don't want to upset him because the only way to appease his anger is through, like, is through animal sacrifice. I mean, that, that's the... That's the idea that they had about our father. In fact, no one even called him father. The first to call him father was Jesus. Back then, if you broke any of his laws, it could result in public shaming or excommunication, banishment, like even death. Diseases were considered a curse from our father, from the God of Israel. Women were viewed more as property than, than people, and, and even this nation that was tasked with carrying the message, carrying the glory, carrying the image of God had wandered so far from where they were meant to be as ambassadors of this God. Between the first Adam and the last Adam, the knowledge of God was nearly snuffed out. It's like that famous line from Lord of the Rings, where it says, fact became legend and legend became myth, and some things which should not have been forgotten were lost. When Jesus came around, there were only just a few still carrying this hope and belief that the Messiah would come, a few who knew the prophecies and believed that a Savior would arrive. But there certainly were not many. These prophecies about Jesus say that he would come at a time of great darkness. Turn to Isaiah 9, verse 1. There will be no more gloom for her, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he has made gl glorious the way by the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Read verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a great light has shone. Has anyone in here ever leaned over at 3 or 4 a.m. and turned on your iPhone and felt like it just singed the back of your brain? Because <laughs> you were dwelling in deep darkness. And even if your iPhone is set at like, 10%, it still feels like it just cooked your retinas, right? <laughs> 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 you're like, 
This is what it was like when the greatest light of all showed up in the darkest time of all. Jesus was walking around ancient Israel and he stuck out like a sore thumb. In a crowd of a million frowns was a smiling God. In a crowd where people thought the only way to make God happy was to do all of these things, God himself showed up and wasn't doing any of those things. He wasn't adhering to their cultural religious rules. He was so happy and free and untrappable. His joy was evident to all. He was anointed with the oil of joy above any of the happy clappies around him. He was the happiest of them all. In John 1, it says that this light that would arise in darkness shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Or Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 says it like this. I mentioned it earlier, but arise and shine, for your light has come. You know what's a, a really cool confirmation of this prophecy from Isaiah 9-1 about that there will be no more gloom in the land of Zebulun? We find out in Matthew chapter 4 that when Jesus, very, his very first preaching, when he began preaching, it was in the land of Zebulun. Really cool, right? Another one of those prophecies verifying that this guy really is the Messiah. Zebulun actually means gift or, or dowry. And so we have the greatest gift of all. It's all telegraphing this beautiful story. Let's uh, stay in Isaiah 9 and, and open up verse 3. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with the joy at the harvest. They are glad when they come, when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every root of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is wonderful news. The, uh, land dwelling in deep darkness, this land of Zebulun would see the greatest light of all, and this light would be contagious. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. What are the implications of a kingdom that only grows and never diminishes? I want to challenge you guys to start thinking, what does it look like if love never fails? 
What does it look like if this gift multiplies in every heart that we touch with love? In the prayer room, um, I once had a vision of the father and he had his arm, he began to outstretch his arm, but it was also Jesus's hand. And as he kind of unrolled himself, Jesus unrolled himself and they stretched further and further until they grabbed the hand of humanity. And then they coiled all of humanity in to this bear hug between Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. See, the incarnation is this permanent union of God and man. The birth of Jesus was from the seed of God, an egg of woman, which means that his very birth is the irrevocable union of God and man. And then everything about his life, death, resurrection, and ascension is about him as the vicarious human dying, not just for us, but as us. And we died with him and have been risen with him. And we are seated with him now in heavenly places. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. This is joy for, for all people. The prophecy from, uh, from Psalm 2 is that the nations would be given to Jesus. This song of, of revelation is that there is no one else worthy than this Lamb who was slain because by his blood he ransomed men from all nations. He is our vicarious human who perfectly fulfilled the law and brought us back into relationship, into friendship with the Father. This offends the mind so much to think of this level of God's mercy. His peace came to evict all of our anxiety, all of our turmoil. His rest invaded our strife. His brightness invaded our darkness. Infinite joy has intersected our finite brokenness. This party crasher came down to our pity party and brought himself into what we thought was existence and showed us what real life is really like. The dawn of new creation has broken into our mourning. Eternal God stooped down to assume our limitations and our fallen nature to shatter them. He has dunked us into all of God so that we forever will be involved in revelry, merrymaking, song, singing, and dance. He showed up to our white elephant gift party and gave us all mansions. <laughs> he gave us a gift of inestimable value, unending worth, and for all of eternity, we are going to be involved in the unfolding and the understanding of this mystery of Christ. And if you're anything like me, this week, you're happy. You're reminded of the joy that has come into the world. Can we stand up and just begin to thank Jesus? 
Thank you, Jesus, that you came so intentionally. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived so intentionally. Thank you, Jesus, that you came with all of these prophecies to verify who you are, that we would have unending faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be strong for you because the Spirit is strong in us. Thank you, Jesus, that when we feel we're losing our grip, we know that you never will, that no one can snatch us from your hand. Thank you, Jesus, that it doesn't depend on our strength, but the proof is shown that these earthen vessels have all the power of God flowing within us. We thank you for the abiding Holy Spirit, that you didn't leave us orphans, that you weren't just born a baby and stayed a baby, but you grew just like us, showing us that you've baptized the entire human experience in your glory, that you have made holy every step that we take. Thank you, Jesus, that your presence never leaves and never forsakes, and we rejoice in what you have done for us, what you're doing in us, and what you will ultimately do at the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen.